0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Super Bowl reaction episode of the U.S. Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. Today's guest... The Boston Globe sports columnist Dan Shaughnessy and NFL writer Don Banks. Oh, if you thought Patriots fans were difficult to deal with, you have got another level right now after Super Bowl 51. That comeback against Atlanta. Welcome to the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle, reacting to an incredible Super Bowl from last Sunday with two of the best in the business. Dan Shaughnessy and Don Banks will be joining me on today's show. You can find the US Sports Podcast on Audioboom on iTunes and you can get to me on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle. So, the Super Bowl. Greatness is a word that's thrown around too casually. It's hyperbowl or in-the-moment reaction. Oh, this was the greatest Super Bowl of all time. May I remind you that the first quarter was scoreless. The first half of Super Bowl 51 was one-sided. Atlanta were dominating. Bill Belichick is the first coach to win five Super Bowls. Tom Brady is the first quarterback to win five Super Bowls and wins the MVP for a fourth time. What makes this partnership so incredible, particularly Belichick, is this is the salary cap era. Think about a franchise like the Steelers back in the day when they had Chuck Noll leading that team. They were able to keep that team together. So many new faces come in and out of teams every single season. And Belichick finds a way of fitting in guys to that roster. Look at James White. James White was the MVP, even though he wasn't named the MVP. He got the truck. That's what makes the Patriots system and Bill Belichick so impressive. It's not an overreaction to say now that Brady is the greatest ever at that position. People got to stop, though, with the goat emoji, please. What an incredible year. The Cavs come back. From 3-1 down against the Warriors, the Cubs win a World Series after over 100 years of losing. Clemson's win over Alabama in the national title game. Amazing. Atlanta led 28-3 with 4 minutes and 20 seconds left in the third quarter. The commissioner was looking comfortable, I've got to say. Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, was on the field in the fourth quarter with his very young wife ready to dance again. The Patriots were playing the 8th highest scoring team in NFL history and they started like this, punt, punt, fumble, punt, pick six, field goal, punt. Tom Brady then finishes the game like this, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, overtime touchdown. That's drives of 75 yards, 72 yards, 25, 91 and 62. That's 31 straight points when the Falcons were up 28-3. And the six-point margin of victory in this game is the largest of any of the Pats' five championships. Can you believe that? Most of them were decided by three points. The biggest play for me in this game, as we go back and look at it, the strip sack by Dante Hightower. Eight and a half minutes left, and Atlanta has a third and one. Why are you in shotgun? Is there an element of cockiness here from Carl Shanahan? Ryan is throwing the ball on third and one, when you could have run for a yard. Even if you don't make it, you punt the ball, you give the Pats the ball back deep in their own territory. We've got to play the clock. We've got to play field position. But you turn the ball over because you're running the play. Matt Ryan is under pressure. Devonta Freeman does not block on the outside. It's his duty to block on that play, and he did it a couple of times in the game already. They already ran that play, but Freeman missed his assignment. Ryan was sacked. The ball came out. It was recovered, and the Pats took five plays To put the game within 8 points. It's 28-20. And the Patriots are playing aggressive defence. And the Falcons are just spent. They look tired. The defence has been on the field for so long. But at plenty of points in this game. You were saying this just isn't the Pats night. Brady throws the pick 6. Edelman's dropping passes. Chris Hogan isn't involved. Dion Lewis, it doesn't seem like he's on the field. Martellus Bennett gets a holding call against him. But when they needed plays, they made them. And they got lucky at certain points too. But Atlanta, you have to run the clock. You're 28-12 up. Run the clock. Run the ball. Use the clock as your friend. Don't let it become your enemy. Even at 28-20, you have to run the ball. Julio Jones makes an amazing catch. And they didn't go to him enough in this game. But every play he made was an incredible play. That catch on the sideline... It's 1st and 10 at the 22-yard line. The Patriots 22. You are so within field goal range, it's unreal. And you have a great kicker in Matt Bryant. If you run the ball after Jones makes that play three times, even if you kneel it, some people have said they could have kneeled it. The Pats use their timeout. They have to stop the clock. And you you have Matt Bryant to kick the field goal. The game's over there. You'd be up by two scores with about three minutes to play. You run the ball once, this is what they actually did. They run the ball, then they tried to throw the football. They got sacked. Trey Flowers comes through. Sacks Ryan for a loss of 12. At that point when Ryan senses the pressure, he has to get rid of the football. Then Jake Matthews gets called for a hold. And then the Pats drive it 90 yards. And on that drive, actually I want to go back to that I want to go back to that series because Kyle Shanahan again, bad such bad play calling, terrible play calling. If Shanahan could go back He'd want his 49ers press conference announcing that he's the new head coach to be at halftime when Atlanta were dominating, when Matt Ryan looked like the MVP. These play calls were so unfathomable. Why they were doing what they were doing at that point in the game, in that position on the field, against this team, against this quarterback, against this coach, did Carl Shanahan want to try and out-coach Bill Belichick? Because you're not going to do it. You would do it if you played the way you should, using smart football, Basic play calls. So, on this last drive by the Patriots when they're down eight, the Julian Edelman catch wow. It was tipped by Robert Alford. It was thrown down the middle of the field. Edelman touched it. The great thing that Edelman did, of course, he kept his eye on the ball. But he stood up, he stood on his feet, he stayed high. He planted his right foot, planted his left foot. And as the three Falcons defenders went down, it was Alford, Keanu Neal, and Ricardo Allen. They went low for the ball. And because they went low, Edelman stayed up, it hit Alfred again on the right leg, and there's Edelman to wipe out the nightmare of David Tyree. After that, you knew it was on. To get two two two-point conversions is amazing too. The Pats had one successful two-point conversion all season long, and last year their season ended with a failed two-point conversion, because Steven Goskowski missed an extra point, uh, a a point after attempt. It could have happened again. And Goskowski on the sidelines, he looked worried until they tied up at 28-all. The first uh, two-point conversion, James White, he caught a direct snap to remind us of that Patriots play against Carolina in their second Super Bowl win 13 years ago. You remember when Kevin Falk lined up next to Brady, and Brady pretended he was reaching for a high snap, allowing Falk to run in, untouched. And the same thing happened here. The second, Danny Amendola stretched over the goal line by inches, literally inches. People don't talk about that enough. At 28-26, so much pressure to convert there. You can't just kick the extra point. And McDaniels set three receivers on the left side. Amendola caught the ball and stretched over the line. The flag came down and unfortunately for Falcons fans, it was against them. Then the coin toss. We're going to overtime. It took 50 years The 51st edition of the Super Bowl, the first overtime. Crazy. Can't believe it took that long. But the coin toss, this is the best one in sports history. Matthew Slater, for the Patriots, calls heads. As he said afterward, he always calls heads. And when the referee says heads, did anyone watching the Super Bowl think that Brady wouldn't go down and score a winning touchdown? No one on the Patriots looked tired. Atlanta's defense played 93 snaps. Andy Benoit of the LMQB He said that that's the equivalent of a game and a half. The Patriots, meanwhile, practiced in pads in Super Bowl week. They ran the hills as usual. Who does that? Who plays in pads on Super Bowl week? Risk of injury, risk of fatigue. It helped them. Their conditioning was fantastic. They looked like a different team. But the Falcons, the fact that they were on the field for that long, their defense, Matt Ryan, it seemed like he wasn't there for half the game because he couldn't play. He was on the sideline going crazy. He was walking up and down, up and down, looked like Jack Nicholas in The Shining, going out of his mind, because he could not affect the game. He was watching the Patriots keep the Falcons' defence on the field, driving every time and scoring. New England had 24 first downs after half-time, and they won the freaking game because of sheer will by Brady, and a coach who... During the extended half time when Lady Gaga was dropping mics and catching balls and jumping into the arena like it's nothing, Belichick just stayed calm. Apparently, according to Peter King of the MMQB, I'm, I'm um, promoting the MMQB a lot in this podcast, he told McDaniels, as the team were going out for the second half, that the team would be okay. He said the guys believe. He said they'll fight their asses off. And they did. They absolutely did. And Roger Goodell, when it was all said and done, shook his hand, Mr. Brady, before he went to the podium and said to Brady, congratulations, great football game. I think he wanted to get it over with before he had to go onto the stage and speak to Robert Kraft and hand over the trophy and he got killed on the stage talking to Robert Kraft. Man, it was loud in there. The Patriots fans had arrived and they were booing like crazy. And I love how Goodell tried to bring in Kraft and say how difficult it was to achieve... And win this trophy. As if talking about Kraft in a good light, in a positive light, would stop the fans from booing. It certainly didn't. It was funny though. I have to admit I enjoyed it. It was an incredible comeback. I think Seahawks-Patriots from two two seasons ago was a better game. But just consider the Patriots' last two wins in the Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler intercepting the Russell Wilson pass to secure the win. And now this. In the games they lost against the Giants, the David Tyree catch, the Marion Manningham catch, and Brady had 10 years between his last Super Bowl, the third one, and the fourth one against Seattle. 10 years. So to win two Super Bowls in three seasons, they're essentially building another dynasty, a second one. I feel bad for Atlanta, though. That's a young defense, and Matt Ryan's an elite quarterback, but how do you lose your offensive coordinator? Lose this game in that way. And bounce back. Look at Arizona. When they got dominated by the Panthers in the championship game. This season, they did nothing. It's so hard to start again. I think that's the biggest, the the toughest thing for a team to do. If they go this close to winning a Super Bowl. And the Falcons went as close as you possibly could. They should have won this game. To turn it around and say, guys, we've got to go again. We've got to play another season of grueling football. 16 weeks in the NFC South. An improved division. You think the Panthers are going to be this bad next year? Jameis Winston's got another season under his belt. The Patriots aren't going away. The Packers aren't going away. If anything, they're going to be better because Rodgers doesn't want that kind of lackluster performance in the middle of the season like they had in 2016. It's going to be tougher. There's new coaches in the league. Man, the Chargers are in LA. The LA Chargers are going to give you a run for their money. Okay, I'm just going over the top here. But you get what I'm saying. Atlanta has to come back after this defeat. Who do you feel worse for? The fans or the team, the players. The players have to live with what they did, the choices they made every single day. The fans, Atlanta has one championship between all of its major sporting teams. That was the Braves in 1995, and they should have won a lot more with that rotation. And I think for the first time, the Patriots fans who won a Super Bowl felt a little bit sorry for their opponent. Crazy game, crazy. I still can't believe it. I think it will settle in for the Patriots fans, maybe sometime in July when they realize how and what just happened. But it was a great game, and I think we all, as NFL fans, deserved it because the postseason stunk, and it looked like it was going to stink again at halftime. Gar brought it back up, and then Brady was just Brady, unbelievable, greatest of all time. But no emojis, please. So our first guest today on the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on Twitter at max underscore Whittle. He's a legend. I love his work. Go and read him at the Boston Globe. Dan Shaughnessy, never short of words, never short of opinions. He joins me from Boston. After the Patriots had their parade, here's Dan Shaughnessy. So joining us now, Boston Globe columnist Dan Shaughnessy. Dan, thanks for spending some time with us. How are you?
1: I'm uh, tired, but uh, good. It's been uh, been a good time back here.
0: Yeah, people might think the Patriots win is the only thing worth talking about in the Boston sports scene right now, but that's not so. Would you care to explain what happened on Tuesday morning just as the Patriots victory parade was starting?
1: <laughs> well, I mean the you know, hockey's a big sport here, ice hockey and they, they they've had a coach here for ten years, they won a Stanley Cup with them and, and they sacked the coach, uh, right in the middle of the parade. It was a very strange timing. Uh almost the appearance that they were trying to, to bury it and so no one would notice and it blew back in the Bruins, Boston Bruins' face, and that people were really insulted and outraged that they would do something like that at a time like that. They've had multiple opportunities to do this, and it was just a very tone deaf, ham handed uh, uh, handling of, of the, uh, you know, a, a worthy guy. It was probably time for him to go, but that's been the case for a couple of years. And to try to sneak it in during the parade was, was uh, not good.
0: Yeah, back to the Super Bowl. Um... Being in Houston building up to Sunday, what did you sense from Brady, from Belichick, from Kraft about being on this stage again at their respective ages?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think they're very, you know, on in years for the roles that they have. Uh, Tom's 39, and Bill's 65, and Bob Kraft's 75. So uh, you never know if you're going to get back to this position, and, and it was historic uh, possibilities to. For uh, the quarterback and the coach to do something no one had ever done in, in their respective positions, which is win five. So there was a lot on the line historically, and you know the narrative for Brady was over and above that, and for the team just after the play case suspensions and the calamity that that was, and, and the commissioner trying to punish them, and, and for the fans of New England, just they were very uh, vengeful and very uh, high-minded about this was the opportunity to show everybody and kind of an us against the world mentality. So. It was the ultimate victory for them.
0: What was the Patriots' game plan going into this one, and how much did you see it change at halftime? Now, it's a good question. I think that you know,
1: <laughs> they kind of feel things out in the first half, and it became very apparent that Atlanta's speed was, you know, was, was superior to New England's. But uh, you know, Bill Belichick and his uh, aide de camp, Ernie Adams, are quite good at uh, making adjustments and figuring things out. I think they did that at halftime. They figured out a way to get to separation with their receivers so that they could get men open, and they uh, they managed to maneuver things so that they were on offense all the time, and the other team was on defense, and they, they got them fatigued, and it wore them down, and by the end, they were just they were putty, and the England could basically have their way, and they will through the whole thing, so it was a masterful plan. Uh, I don't know about the first half, but it certainly it wasn't planned to go down 21-0 in 28-3 in the third, but... Uh, that happened, and, and it's just astronomical loss to come back from that, which they did.
0: Yeah, Peter King wrote that Belichick said to Josh McDaniels on the way out for the second half that the team looked confident. What, what were you thinking at halftime? Was this over in your mind? <laughs>
1: you know, I've seen enough of this team in the last 15 years where there was a lot of commentary within the press box. This thing's over, and start your story, and go ahead. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to wait. There's, I've seen this too many times. They're, they're never out of it. And that really was not a sensible uh, thinking because, I mean, in, I think the odds were 99.6% that they would lose in the situation they were facing uh, down 25 or three minutes to go in the third. But I just it wasn't enough for me. I, I held back and uh, I'm glad I did because uh, I had the I had the losing story written in my head. I knew the things I wanted to say, and I could have spit them out quickly. But it was uh, better for me to wait and, and watch it unfold. And and then it, it didn't take long to put uh, put the cap on it and explain what this, how historic and impressive this was.
0: What do you think you would have written if the Pats had lost? Because if Brady has four Super Bowl championships, is the narrative completely different when a lot of people already thought he was better than Montana and they already thought Belichick was the best 21st century coach?
1: I think I was I was dubious about the Patriots. Uh, I didn't think their, their schedule was very soft this year. I didn't think the defense was that good. I didn't think they were tested. So I would have brought all those things out that they were fortunate to be playing in the division they were in. That they were a little bit overrated, that they weren't fast enough, and it was finally caught up with them at the worst possible time. Uh, So, you know, I was, you know, I I make reference to the opponents being a succession of tomato cans that they play. So it was going to be uh, this time with the tomato cans, you know, uh, losing 28 to 3. And, you know, so it would have been kind of uh, gone in that direction, would not have been a popular. Read and uh, would have been uh, ignored or, or angrily dismissed by a lot of the readers, but fortunately we never had to get there.
0: When Dante Howard strip sacked uh, Matt Ryan 28 to 12, the mo- was that the most important play? Because for the first time we saw Tom Brady on the sideline actually showing some positive emotion.
2: Yeah,
1: I think that's key. I mean, they, they make it a one score game after that, and Atlanta just, again, they're losing their minds, not just taking a loss and punting the ball there and it's, it's really on them but yeah so you open the door like that for the Patriots which they did um, give them the ball at the 25 yard line and now they can cut it to eight and then make it a game it was a huge play in the game absolutely pivotal turning point and I think that once uh, they capitalized on that and cut it to eight points it felt like inevitable that they were going to do this
0: now Dan, was there an element of cockiness in your in your opinion, with regard to Carl Shanahan's play calling, when the Falcons are at the Pats' 22, and they only draw one running play?
1: That's a very good observation, and I would I don't know if I'd call it cockiness as much as stupidity or stubborn or <laughs> whatever. But it was not the way to go, and I think any high school coach in in America would have like handed the ball off three times there and take the field goal and get your 11 point lead with four minutes to go, and the game's over. You've basically capped it. So, uh, really, that'll, that'll go down forever. They'll never live that down. And, um, you know, similar to two years ago when Pete Carroll decided to throw a slant pass into traffic instead of handing the ball off to the beast mode, uh, that's when, when someone says you've won the Super Bowl, here it is. You don't want to say, well, I think I'll do this instead and, and give it back.
0: Steven Goskowski missed another point after attempt. Rob Gronkowski saw the team win without him. What are the futures for these two?
1: Well, I'm impressed by the acumen yeah, of your questioning here. You're doing good here. Those are really, I think that Koskowski that's not good, and he—they're probably going to bring someone in to challenge him in camp. I, I don't think it's a given. We love the kid. He's been—he's been money for a lot of years and set a lot of records, and and uh, has this good mentality. But I, it's a little something off right now, and I know there was a bad snap and a bad hold on that money miss, and it moved the goalposts. I mean, it, it's a further kick now for that extra point. So. Things have to be uh, better, and, uh, but he, he had had uh, erratic uh, year this year, and, and uh, they don't uh, they're not sentimental about that. If you don't uh, get it done, they'll they'll come back and bite you. So he may have to fight for his job next year.
0: And what about Gronkowski? Uh,
1: yeah, I think Gronk. Uh, you know, he's got another year in the contract with the big money, and then after that, uh, there's no guarantees. And given his you know difficulty staying on the field, which is not. Because he's not tough, it's just he's, he plays hard, and he had this in college. It's one of the reasons they were able to acquire him, where well, they did. Uh, but it, it's starting to feel like it might be a, you know, short but great career for them. So uh, he'll be there next year. But if he if he doesn't give them the 16 games, I I would question his ability to get another contract from them. I think it'll be tough.
0: What did the Falcons not do enough, in your opinion? Was it? targeting Julio Jones enough? Did they stop running the ball too much? What do you think was the biggest reason? Or was it the fact that they were on the defensive side of the field for so long?
1: Yeah, they've, they've, I mean, you've, you've alluded to this. I mean, they they were stubborn, good, this is what we do. And they just stopped playing situational football, which is to say, okay, we've won this game. Now let's just run off the clock and get this over with. <clears throat> Instead, it's like, oh, here's what we do. And I mean, teams tend to, you know, they lose their minds. They wet their pants against the Patriots. It's like they, they go against the grain and, and do, you know, things that are contrary to what got them there. And um, it was just really poor selection of, of plays by them. And, and Ryan, you know, it, sometimes the moment is too big for guys who haven't been there before. And, and, you know, maybe he'll do better next time. But he absolutely could have avoided strip sack a little bit on him and uh, taking the sack at the end when they were on the twenty-two. You gotta do better. You cannot be end up holding the ball and take a an eleven, twelve yard loss and that you gotta get rid of the ball. Again, it's the kind of stuff Brady would never do and uh that's the inexperience and, and in the moment being too big for somebody. Else.
0: You're back in Boston now. Have you got any sense that there's at least some fans this time around on the winning side feeling bad for the losing opponent? I mean, how do Atlanta possibly come back from a loss like this?
1: I don't think they will. They'll be like the Carolina Panthers. You know, they were in the Super Bowl last year. They were disgraced by Denver, and then we never saw them again. And I think that's where Atlanta's heading. You know, it was a nice run. They had a good shot. It was right there, and they didn't capitalize. And my guess is they'll they'll fade back into the background.
0: I enjoyed your piece on the greatest sports story in Boston history. You were deciding between the '04 Red Sox and this year's Patriots. The poll that the Globe put up on Twitter. It finished, I think, 73% Red Sox. But in your piece, you didn't entirely decide either way, but you sounded as if the baseball accomplishment was was more. You know, the first title since 1918. Was, was that the greatest story, or are you still undecided?
1: Well, I left it out there, so I didn't want to kind of poison the well or, or throw down any opinions on that. I was just left up. And I, I am shocked and, and heartened by the uh, reaction that, that um, you know, one day after this pulsating, electrifying win that folks in our region are still smart enough uh, to harken back to 13 years ago and understand that that was and is the greatest Red Sox, the greatest New England sports story of all time, a biblical story that lives forever. And I love the fact that our people, we had over 5,000 responders to that, are, are smart enough and uh, you know, have the presence of mind to not get caught up in the moment and anoint this as, as better because it's now and it happened last night. I thought that was a, a tremendous demonstration of how big baseball is in our region and what that meant to people who were, you know, delivering flowers and champagne bottles to cemeteries of so their loved ones who didn't get to see it and how important the 86 years and what a what a narrative that was. Uh, and as great as this was, it, it, it you know, not, did not supersede that and made me happy.
0: Was this more impressive than the Cavaliers coming back from 3-1 down against the Warriors? Hmm... I I would say
1: yes. Twenty eight three is is a lot. It's tough to deal with those questions because of you know the Cavaliers. you're talking about a a series versus a night. You know one game versus you know four games or whatever. Um, that was improbable. And um, but the Cavaliers they had LeBron James. They were you know. It's a really good question because the the Patriots the greatness of this Patriot thing is somewhat. uh, neutralized by the the caliber of the opponent. The Atlanta Falcons do not fall into the worthy opponent category, as opposed to the Warriors who do, or the Yankees who did in 2004. I think that when a caliber of the opponent is so suspect, it it makes the comeback a little less special.
0: Brady and Belichick, now undisputedly the greatest of all time, what's the alternative story, though, that you see after this Patriots season?
1: Yeah, I think they're positioned to be back. And you know, guys get hurt and things happen. You don't know, but they are um, given the weakness of the other teams in the conference and and the Patriots' roster, which is a good blend of youth and experience, and and where they are with the draft picks and salary cap. They're really well positioned to be back. And I, I mean, unless something seismic happens, I think they will.
0: Do you and Bob Ryan and other Boston reporters ever just stop? Sit there and think. Hang on a sec. This has been quite a career for me. I- I've been able to report on so many cool teams, so many successful championship runs. It must be pretty fun.
1: Well, I appreciate that. It's like uh, I, I continuously say, it's it's the high renaissance of uh, Boston sports. It's really uh, to have ten championships in a 15-year period, and you know we have you know, people who are seniors in college now and have, have lived through 10 championship moments, and that's really. Uh, very spoiled and titled time and, and special time, and, and you do what we do in, in the today and it's just really gratifying to uh, have you know, a lot of smart readers and and great fans who really care about it, and then to have all the success on top of it is very overwhelming. So yes, the answer is yes. As uh, like Bob and myself, we do discuss about how amazing this is.
0: Yeah, I don't. I was about three years ago now when I was in my second to last year of university and I had ordered your book that you wrote about Terry Francona that was the one of the more exciting times I've had uh, getting a book from the States it was very good um, I just wanted to ask you quickly a couple more uh, I thought Belichick's what? comments saying it's insulting to Brady that he would be more motivated because of Deflategate this season were, were interesting where are we with Deflategate now do we return to it or have we swept it under the carpet?
1: Yeah, I thought Bill was a little harsh there and you know, kind of embarrassing the person posing the question. I really didn't look a fan of that answer. You know, he's clearly trying to ingratiate himself with his star quarterback and, and get that, but I mean I, I don't believe it. I do believe this is more special. I just think there was two of the elements to this. That, but, you know, they're taking the high road and trying to uh, preserve the, the narrative that this is just another one and they're just all about business and there's was nothing more special about this one, and, and to say there, there would would be to demean the other ones i I don't believe that i without demeaning the other ones um, there was extra incentive and emotion in this one, and the fan base certainly feels that way, and I understand that the coach and quarterback aren't going to give that up, but you could kind of get it from the owner he he pretty much gave that up, and, and certainly every person in felt it was uh, different because of that
0: Now do you stay across Twitter during games? No, it's,
1: it's, Twitter's a useful um, tool to uh, find out what's, what people are thinking, what other people are writing, what the scent is. They point out something you missed, uh, citing facts or historical precedents. So it's I find it very useful. You just you know never engage. You don't get caught up in, in your one-on-one personal stuff. But
0: huh.
1: there's so many good reporters out there with good observations. It's very helpful.
0: But can we say that Brady's job is safe now, um, Dan, because... If you did go on Twitter during the Super Bowl, at halftime, all you were hearing was Garoppolo, well, maybe they should keep him. (laughs) Is this the last we've seen of Brady? Uh, And there were some legitimate reporters actually saying this stuff.
1: (laughs) I don't know. That sounds off the rails to me. I I, I could not sign on that. I certainly would not have taken that as anything serious if I had seen that during the (laughs) half.
0: Have you thought about what you'd like to write um, when Roger Goodell comes to Foxborough in September?
1: Yeah, that's good. It's uh, it's very rich, and um, you know, I mean, we were certainly in his face last week, and he he took it. He didn't give us any good answers, but he at least listened to the questions. And and uh, he has to come back now, and and uh, hopefully there'll be a moment when the the Pats fans, to me, they kind of got it off their chests in right there in Houston when he got up with the trophy to get to Bob Kraft, and he was just drowned out. That was really a you know that was giving the middle finger to the commissioner on the part of the Patriots fans, right there. They they had their moments. I don't know that they'll get a moment like that if he comes back, but he has to come back. It's just it would be so cowardly and trans—obvious if he didn't
0: that he's got to do it. Now, be honest, Dan. Did anyone in the press box boo as well? <laughs> did anyone do what? Did anyone else boo in the press box?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say no. They're we're pretty <laughs> professional up there. I mean, they might have been thinking it. But nobody, nobody chimed in.
0: We saw Brady get a bit emotional, well, very emotional, talking about his father before Sunday's game. We now know that his mother has been ill for a while. Did you ever notice a change in his attitude and focus?
1: I, I thought that all week. I mean, I was in the face on Monday, I made him cry talking about his dad, and then it came out Tuesday that the reason was his bonds were going through this. And I thought, um, yeah, this is, uh, you know, he's got a real life experience going on here, and. And it's different. To him. he's kind of Zen-like. He's reading this book, The uh, Four Agreements. And he's just, uh, I think his wife brings a lot of uh, different cultural and, and uh,
0: mindset things to him. And
1: so, yeah, I think it was uh, really different for him. And He handled it very well and it could not have worked out better for him.
0: Last question then, whilst you're on the phone. Take me into Celtics HQ. Isaiah Thomas has been unbelievable so far. They're second in the Eastern Conference. Where's the ceiling for this team? Do they stretch the Cavs more or less than the Wizards? Because that was an exciting game with Washington the other day. Yeah,
1: I mean, Washington's a problem. That's the one I worry about. In addition to Cleveland, out of the conference, that they could be stopped by them. But, uh, yeah, know, that story will now get some attention that it deserves. They've won seven in a row to play in second tonight and see how they do. But I think that uh, uh, as we you know, move into the spring, I hope that they can hold our attention and and make a move, but I still think that Cleveland's too powerful because of LeBron. But the way things are going here, I wouldn't move out anything. So uh, I just—they have not won a playoff series in the Brad Stevens regime, so they need to do that first. And they're positioned to be a you know a two or three or possibly one seed, so they should get that first one, and then then it'll get interesting.
0: Well, Dan, thanks for the kind words. Uh, Enjoy the Bruins. Enjoy the Celtics. Enjoy Goodell returning to Foxborough for the first time in a long time. And, yeah, maybe you can share out some of the championships going forward. Or maybe not.
1: You got it. Great job. Thank you.
0: Thank you to Dan for coming on. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. We're going to throw to our next guest now, NFL veteran Don Banks, who's written for Sports Illustrated, NFL.com. And you can currently find his Snap Judgments column on Patriots.com. Every single week, Don wraps up the games better than anyone else. We're going to continue our conversation on Super Bowl 51. What else? Here's Don Banks. Joining me now to give his thoughts on Super Bowl 51, Patriots.com writer Don Banks. Don, how are you, mate?
2: I am good, Max. Good to be back with you.
0: Thanks for coming on. Um, As the game started on Sunday, were you surprised or not surprised by how both teams set their game plan?
2: Well, I mean, I I really thought that... I thought Atlanta's speed was going to be the biggest component in um, their game plan. They were going to try to maximize it, and I thought they did. I thought they did a really great job of looking younger, quicker, more aggressive, uh, putting New England back on its heels. Um, I'd say for about 40 minutes of that game, it was a spectacular success story when it came to Atlanta's game plan. 21-3
0: 21-3 at halftime. When did you start writing for a Falcons victory, or what were you thinking at halftime?
2: Well, I was taking notes the whole time, and I was thinking that Atlanta had done everything it could possibly have wanted to do. Um, it had looked like uh, you know, the, the, the more aggressive team on offense. It, it, it made the big play with the pick-six on defense. Um, it just looked like a total domination at that point, and you know when it grew to twenty-eight to three, um, I was well aware that the you know the largest comeback in Super Bowl history had been just ten points three different times, and I wasn't writing yet, but I was thinking that the game was essentially over, and that you know you're going to have to uh, start to come up with ideas about how Atlanta did this, pulled out pulled off this stunning victory, and um, before I knew it, I was watching a completely different football game. And that's the thing about Sunday. It was two different games. Um, it was one game when Atlanta played um, with absolutely the right approach and the right level of um, taking risk and um, just being aggressive on both sides of the ball. And then then I when they needed to calibrate to the game situation and be more... Cautious and just try to milk the clock. They stayed aggressive, and I think it bit them.
0: Who had a better performance, Tom Brady or Lady Gaga? (laughs) Well, I think
2: Gaga was more spectacular, but Brady (laughs) certainly finished stronger. How about that?
0: Oh, very nice, very nice. But you were a fan, right? I saw your snap judgments. You were a fan of Gaga. I I loved it.
2: Yeah, I loved it. I thought she was um, uh, incredibly uh, entertaining, athletic. um, Put everything into it. I love the showmanship level. I thought she uh, picked the right songs and I thought it was a great show. I thought she crushed it.
0: we got to ask Mike Pereira though, but was that a football move at the end when she bounced the mic and dropped off the stage? I just don't know if
2: she got both feet in (laughs) and and completed the catch. That's what I didn't see and they didn't show us.
0: Uh, They'll keep talking. Um, The way the Falcons handled the clock and the play calling with Roughly eight minutes to go in the third quarter. How would you describe that?
2: Um, a total lack of game situation. Kyle Shanahan was calling plays, said he wanted to stay aggressive. Well, there's a time to be aggressive and there's a time to milk a lead in the Super Bowl. Um, they didn't snap the ball down at one, two, three seconds left. I saw a lot of plays that they left, you know, eight, nine, ten seconds left on the play clock. That's not smart. Um, on the third and one call that ended up, Matt Ryan was strip-sacked by um, Hightower. That's the situation with as well as Devonta Freeman was running. I'm running the ball there. I'm not putting my quarterback in a situation for the worst-case scenario, which is what happened. Um, a sack, a fumble, a short field for New England back into that game. It was 28-12 to at that point. I'm playing cautious and and, and and trying at that point to maximize my probability of winning. And then especially when they got to the 22, first down at, at New England's 22, and they call pass plays, uh, I believe it's second and third down. One's a sack, one's a penalty. You absolutely have to get three points there, make an 11-point game at 31-20, and give the Patriots a back with seven- you know three and a half minutes to go needing two scores and they didn't do that and Kyle Shanahan's going to wear this one for a long time that was short-sighted lack of game situation awareness
0: yeah Shanahan should have uh held his Niners press conference at halftime right I mean now (laughs) now he's going to be revealed as the new head coach and do you think do you think like the players and the fans he's going to carry this over into a new job or will it be fine because he's got so much to do
2: no, he's going to carry this over. I mean, it's not going to consume his San Francisco tenure, the call that he made, the calls that he made as the Atlanta offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl, but it's going to be there. And just, just the same way, I still believe that the call that Darren Bevel and Pete Carroll authorized in the Super Bowl two years ago um, that produced the Malcolm Butler interception. I still believe that call has had a factor in what has happened in Seattle. It's it's the story that's not going to go away until um, well until they win again, and then maybe never um, even with that because it was such a missed opportunity, and that's what this was for Atlanta. It was the it was the 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 most epic missed opportunity in Super Bowl history, and I think when you blow a twenty-five point lead, you're not going to. You don't have to get away from that. If it's Kyle Shannon going to San Francisco, if it's Dan Quinn coaching next year in Atlanta, that is now part of their story. And until they get back to that point and finish the job, it's going to be part of the story that's going to be tough to live with.
0: You said in your column this week, uh, NFL teams were 94-0 in playoff history with a 19-point-plus lead after three quarters. What was your favorite factoid after this game?
2: Well, I mean, I I think it was probably, uh, there were a couple couple of variances of that, but basically, wherever you wanted to draw the line, at at, at the 25-point lead or the 19-point lead, but we were into the fourth quarter um, and statistically you just had to go looking long and hard for not just, you know, obviously not a Super Bowl situation, but a, a playoff situation and a regular season situation. There were a number of statistical markers out there but it's what they did was like flipping a coin and having it land on its side three times in a row that's how improbable that comeback was
0: you're in the boston area now where do you where do sports fans in that area think brady lies against other boston sporting legends i think that's more of an an interesting argument than best football player of all time because there there've been so many great athletes in boston sports history
2: yeah, I, I I tend to think anyone who doesn't have an appreciation for you know like the Ted Williams uh, historical um, accomplishment is gonna it's gonna come down to Brady or Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Um, Brady is probably going to be seen as number one um, by the vast majority of the population, and, and and Big Poppy a close second. But
0: you know, you think Larry Ortiz Bird, is over Larry?
2: yeah i i think he has become because again the lapse of time um and the younger demographic is always going to lean towards the the more recent and i do think if you if you took a poll right now it would probably be brady one ortiz two bird three um maybe ted williams you know at, at four even as hard as it is to imagine but um, I think it's probably going to be, it's going to be lean. It's, it's going to favor the more recent dramatically, and I think Brady with his five rings, the length of the Patriots dynasty, and the fact that um, he's so closely associated, I think, and will be now with the greatest of all time. Um, no one, for as good as David Ortiz was for 13 years in Boston, no one was saying, greatest of all time, other than DH, and that doesn't have the same ring kit
0: Are the overtime rules fair? Should they be different in the postseason to guarantee both teams a possession?
2: Not in my eyes. I think football is part offense, part defense, part special teams. I think you should have to play all three. You can score on defense in football. It's not like baseball, where you're on defense. Your shortstop can't hang up a run. You can save a run, but you can't hang up a run. You can't produce offense. You can I think you should have to score. I think you should have to play defense. Um, I'm fine with the rule as is. I wasn't even in favor of changing the rule to begin with. Um, but I think it really skewers too heavily towards offense if you say everyone's got to have the possession in overtime, even in the Super Bowl.
0: And final question, which of the teams, Patriots or Falcons, do you think has more chance of getting back to the big one next season?
2: Well, I do like the Falcons' you know, foundation of a lot of good, talented young players, but of course, you have to go with the team that's been won the ring the last two out of the last three, that has been to seven in the last 16 years. So it's the Patriots. But it wouldn't shock me if Atlanta got back, you know, let's again in the next two two seasons, um, because I like I like what they've built with Dan Quinn, and that roster is plenty young enough. Matt Ryan. At 31 has time left. Um, but look at their defensive roster, especially. It's dotted with really good second and third first year players. And um, I-, I don't believe they're just going to go away, even though inevitably they could take a step back next year. But I do think that's a team that we heard from again.
0: That's about all we've got time for on the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. Thank you to my guests today. Thank you to Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. Thank you to Don Banks of Patriots.com. It's a long off-season in the NFL, but we will continue to discuss it throughout the off-season. I'm sure there will be more on this Super Bowl. We have to get the reaction. From the Atlanta side of things. Special guests coming up on the U.S. Sports Podcast. I have Dikembe Mutombo, the NBA legend, the all-time blocks leader in the NBA. Dikembe Mutombo will be joining me on the U.S. Sports Podcast next week. Chris Finch, the associate head coach of the Denver Nuggets, will also be coming on. So until next time, you can find the U.S. Sports Podcast on iTunes. Please don't hesitate to leave me a review on there, the U.S. Sports Podcast with Max Whittle. You can download and subscribe on iTunes. Also on its official page, audioboom.com as well. Thank you for listening to the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle, and I will speak to you next week. Enjoy the games.